I don't know, being an Arsenal fan and expecting them to, um, you know, win the English Premier League season. Hello, Michael Gladding from New Zealand Golf. Knows an Arsenal fan. How are you? Ha, ha, ha. Very good, thank you. Yes, we do expect to win the league. <laughs> well, oh, getting past Nottingham Forest. Mate, you made hard work of getting past Nottingham Forest yesterday. Oh, come on. You, you've got no chance. You've got no chance in your next game against the mighty Chicks. Oh, you've got Liverpool coming up, haven't you? Yes, Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool at home. Should beat them. Should be no problem. Brush them aside. Top of the league. What's the space? <laughs> Uh, you probably didn't expect to get ambushed by a Liverpool supporter at the top of this interview. Um, no. but, but you're a good sport. You're a good sport. But you're a busy man, of course. We've got a lot of uh, things to be excited about as far as New Zealand golf. You know, like Alka and Lydia, the way they've just started. What a great, great kickstart to 2024. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, add in that uh, Kazuma Kabori, who... Um, I don't, I'm not sure how much, uh, how many people are across what he's just done, but he's just, uh, you know, won two tournaments in a row in Australia in his first year of turning pro. In fact, he's probably isn't, he wouldn't have played ten tournaments since turning pro. So uh, that's a that's a lightning start to a career that I think is just going to go a long, long way. Uh, we are looking ahead to, of course, uh, the New Zealand Open later this month. At uh, the well, no, no, sorry. It is later this month. We've just it is late this month. For a second right. there, I thought we yeah. were. I still thought we were in January, but no, we, we have we have flicked over the calendar. We're into February now. How are preparations? Is it nervy at this time with the clock ticking down quickly? Yeah, the clock's running pretty fast now. But no, I'm, in fact, I've just flown down. I'm just uh, at Melbourne as we speak. Um, and yeah, and those structures really starting to go up. We're building quite a. Impressive new structure around the uh, around the 18th green. That's going to look fantastic. So yeah, it's uh, when you start seeing scaffolding going up and uh, uh, you know various parts of infrastructure that we all have to build um, going in. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Really good. Yeah, and it's also the 103rd edition, right? Like you're ch- treating with something with genuine history and prestige. You feel like a a steward of it all. Well, yeah, certainly a steward or, or, or caretaker or, uh, or just somebody that's blessed to be able to work on an event that, uh, that has such great uh, history, particularly in, in, in my own personal case, of course. So. Talk to me and, about and the, those you know, who, who have... Oh, carry on, Michael. Sorry, the line just cut out there. No, no, no. Just that, you know, I've, uh, I, I once caddied in this event for Bob Charles when he won it and, uh, and then... Um, generations before that my father won this tournament so a couple of times so it's uh, it is pretty special to be able to work on 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 an event like this how much knowledge did you impart on sir bob that tournament and did he listen to any of it uh, no he didn't no. <laughs> i just behaved you know put up shut up keep up you know basics <laughs> how old were you at the time Oh, I would have been about uh, 21, yeah, somewhere around there. I had, you know, shoulder-length hair that blew in the breeze. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> what was the standout when you watched them? Oh, like, and I've only seen, you know, um, the odd image here or there. I, I hadn't had the luxury of following him around and actually see him over at him, but he looked like he had a smooth swing and, wow, on the moss, um, you know, one of the best putters of all time, you know. What are your lasting memories yeah. of that? Because that's a heck of a well, position I think two, you, know, two, you got two yourself things, Two things there. Yeah, two things there. I think one, you're quite right, one of the greatest putters of all time. And uh, and, and it's funny how, you know, I mean, I carried him for 30 years and, and, and uh, 
but you can, how I can remember when he did win the Open down at Hukapit uh, down in uh, Palmerston North, that I can remember he was sort of tied for the lead on a par three and uh, playing uh, with Australian uh, locked locked tied and and he and he underclubbed on this par three and he was right at the front of the green and the pin was right at the back and it was a t- up upper upper hill and uh, and I remember I'll, it's funny you know as I say this is oh man this is going back to Wow, when is it? In the late seventies, uh, and I can still remember holding that flag, seeing this putt, and thinking, "Holy moly, this thing's going in!" And it was like it was—it was one of the longest putts ever in my life that I see. That you know, it, it's funny how some this. Honestly, I can remember that as though it was yesterday. It was just scary. Um, yeah, but the other thing, you know, not only was he a great putter, he was a fantastic long iron player. I mean, he could hit, yeah. you know, he would hit two on, three on, and 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 be looking to make birdies off it when, uh, you know. So he's a phenomenal, phenomenal long iron player. I think he was uh, that was a part of his game that was never really talked about. But um, he wasn't super long, but he was just so accurate with those long irons. So he's an amazing player, still is today, incredibly at, yeah. in his mid eighties. Amazing, amazing man. Yeah. Uh, we are speaking to Michael Grading, tournament director of uh, the New Zealand Golf Open. Um, just, just remind listen, listeners who you've got coming, and I know you've had sort of a spate of announcements over the last uh, day or so. So, who are the headline acts? Well, you know, as you you started this uh, brief chat talking about uh, you know New Zealanders and, and being New Zealand Open, you know, we always uh, we always hope and pray we're going to get another New Zealand uh, winner. Um, and I think this year we've probably got our best chance ever. I mean, uh, Steve Elk is coming back, and Steve's you know in, in playing so well. There's no reason why, despite the fact that he's plus fifty, uh, that he can win this tournament. Um, and he's certainly not coming here to make up the numbers. Uh, and it'll be the course isn't super super long so uh, it, it, that in that sense I think he's a real real ch- uh, chance to win it uh, Daniel Hillier who, who is uh, you know behind Foxy our next best player uh, Dan uh, actually just got engaged last night but Daniel uh, he's a hell of a player he is somebody who you know won on the, on the DP World Tour last year um, and he's just going to get better and better and better um, Ben Campbell you know won in Hong Kong last year um, and as I just mentioned, as I said at the start, Kazuma Kabori, who last year was uh, actually in contention after two rounds as an amateur, uh, has now turned pro and, and already shown his ability to win as a pro. So, you know, it really, whilst obviously we've got a very strong international field and, and, and I spent a fair bit of time, you know, uh, recruiting that, um, it, it's it's a year where I think the Kiwi contingent is as strong as, as from anywhere. But... You know, we we have we have uh, obviously a bunch of past champions uh, that that are going to play. Most of whom are Australian. Um, Brendan Jones is back to defend his title, and and I've been up in Asia, and we've got some really good players out of out of Asia. So, um, I mean, we've got guys whose names won't be known to New Zealanders, but uh, a couple of them will. A guy called Jazz Janowatnanand, who has played on PGA Tour, been playing on DP World Tour, has gone back to live in, in Asia. Um, hell of a player. He's still only about 28. Burst onto the scene at a very young age as well. So, yeah, we've got, and out of Japan, we've got, um, uh, as we always do, we've got 20 players out of Japan, but this year is about six or seven of them that are in their 20s, and that's a real change. So uh, the game in Japan is also getting younger. It's getting younger around the world, interestingly enough. I mean, at the top level as well as at, at the grassroots level. So it's very, very healthy for the sport. Oh, one of the guys on the other end of the, the, the young scale, Steve Alka, you know, touched on at the top and, and you've mentioned him. Um, you know, put into context 
what he's doing over there. You know, I, I rattled off some stats, I, I think, late last, or early last week, and I'd only discovered them, that he'd finished um, inside the top five on the Seniors Tour in 63% of all events he's entered in. That, that to me, just sounded absolutely mad in a good way. It, it is. Yeah, 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 it really is. And, and you know, also, let's go right back to the start. The way he got on the tour was to basically, you know, go through sort of a pre-qualifying. Well, he got a couple of starts and, and, and did well right from the get-go. And this is a guy who's throughout his, uh, if you like, underage uh, career has, has been, uh, you know, what would be loosely described as a journeyman. In other words, you know, he did win a few tournaments on the, on the what is now the Corn Ferry Tour, but he never, he never really contended much on the main tours. He was on and off the main tours. Um, always a good player, but never a great player. And all of a sudden, he's now become a great player and uh, is just a consistently great player. And you know when you look at his golf swing and you look at and you look at his putting action, uh, you can understand why. But he's always had that, right? It's, but of course, what's different now is that he's got he's got mental strength. I think I think that's the that's the bit which which comes with confidence. Um, it's a game of confidence. Uh, this is why you see people who get streaks. But his is more than. But his streak is sustainable and will last because it's built on an incredibly solid foundation. Uh, he's a he's a still a very fit man. Uh, he's got a he's got a classic golf swing, which is never varied. He doesn't tinker and stuff around and change things. He just does things solidly. He's just a, he's a great example of somebody who's, who's hung in there and got everything he deserves out of the game. He's one of the nicest guys on tours, and I, I've never heard anybody say anything other than nice things about Stephen. It's just mm-hmm. fabulous. It's great. Yeah, so some really high profile uh, means. Uh, Kiwi golfers will be playing, smattering of international talent. I, I think you've got members of the next tier of New Zealand talent, the, the New Zealand Golf Academy, um, will be yep. well uh, well represented at, at our National Open. But, but I'd like to know, in the current climate, an international golf is in a, a quite a fascinating position. And I think it's fair to say, Michael, we've never had the deepest pockets to sort of lure international golfers down. You know, w- when you look at, at far as targeting international golfers, What's realistic these days, and how do you go about sort of seducing them on your event? Well, it's always about, to my mind, trying to get them at the start of the curve. You know, you know that once they get to PGA Tour level, it's going to be so tough to get here. And look, the PGA Tour doesn't give a monkey's about anything outside of America. So, so that you're never going to get any assistance in terms of trying to have you know, non-competing events. So, so you know you're going to lose them at some point. But if you go back to, you know, Cameron Smith came down here um, when he was relatively unknown. Uh, same with Cameron Davis. Uh, same with Tom Kim, you know, back in 2019. I worked really hard to get Tom to come down when he was 17. He's now, you know, he's now, what, age about 21. Uh, and he's ranked 12 in the world. So, you know, I think that's what you've got to do. That's what, uh, that's our niche, if you like. Uh, try and get the guys that are that are uh, on the verge of something big. You can never tell. You never know. But you know, I've got a guy coming out of out of. Uh, well, he's from Hong Kong. A guy called Tai Chi Ko. Can't remember that. So, can't forget that's her name. With uh, but it's K H O. But uh, Tai Chi's uh, twenty two. Uh, one in his first year on tour last year, uh, and is a is a hell of a player and a hell of a guy, and he's got that star factor about him. Now, is he mm. going to go on and be top twenty in the world? I, you and I don't know that, but but he's certainly got the makings of it. Um, and you know, as I say, when so that, that's kind of our niche, really, to try and find people. I guess from a 
from a public perspective, it's it's in a sense a little bit difficult in that they're watching guys and they're not sure, you know, is this really going to be the next big thing? But if you look back at our record, I mean, Sanjay M is another one who, who's now consistently, you know, up in the top sort of 30 on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, he played here uh, back in 2018, I think it was, or 17. So, you know, I, yeah, that, that's what I'm kind of looking for. I'm looking for the next big thing and I'm trying to get them before they become too big. I mean, I'm pretty close to securing a, a 16-year-old boy out of Asia. Um, uh, I'll know in the next week or two if we get him down. He will be a top 10 player in the world. I'll put, put a lot of money on that. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's got to pass his school exams, can you believe? So if he, it's uh, that's our challenge. <laughs> so once he, if he passes his school exams as he's sitting right now, uh, he'll be down here. So that's, you know, that's, but that's the sort of pool that we're trying to fish in, really. Yeah, well, you, your total prize purse now two two million bucks, isn't it? And that's growing significantly from just last year. But yeah. but you'll know this; it, it's chump change compared to what other um, numbers are being thrown around. And I like you to put your golf fan sort of uh, hat on here, and someone who's followed the game as closely. News that you're probably aware of now: the T- PGA Tour has agreed a private equity deal, which I understand is about. £2.36 billion. Um, that's a lot of money with a group of investors led by Fenway Sports Group, which have, of course own Liverpool FC, Boston Red Sox and others. What, what, what does this mean to the layman who's, who's been you know, sort of watching from afar um, at the money wars going on in golf? Well, yeah, the money, money is obscene, of course, but I guess that's true. You know, we, we started talking about football. I mean, the money in football is, is obscene. You know, is it good for the game? Uh, Interesting. Who knows? I mean, obviously, it's good for the people that are making plenty of it. But, um, but you know, uh, look, there is a gap, uh, and and I think you have to be realistic. I mean, our goal is always to put on the best possible tournament, not the biggest. Uh, we can never ever produce the biggest. I think, at, at, uh, although you say you know you call two million dollars chump change, and in, in, in compared with PGA Tour or Live Golf, it is chump change. But it's not chump change. It's still a meaningful figure, <laughs> and it's still a meaningful amount. <laughs> no, you know, I'm serious about that. So I think that there's a lot of players for a lot of players. Let's not forget that in the world of golf, which is, I think, unique to all other sports, in the world of golf, there are probably four to five hundred really, really, really good players. You know, whereas if, that's not true in tennis. That's not true. And tennis has probably got a hundred really, really, really good players. Maybe seventy, eighty. You know, where golf, that's the difference. I think that golf has an incredibly large pool of talent. So there is plenty of plenty of good stuff to be had. Uh, those that are just there chasing the money will just chase the money, and and you can't compete with that. Uh, and so you don't try and compete with that, which is why getting back to that point about trying to recruit players, you know, the best thing to do is try and get get guys who are on the way up, um, because once they get to a certain level, as you say, even if that prize money went from two million to four million, it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to get them here. So we're kind of comfortable with where we want to be. We know where we stand. Uh, we're still a meaningful tournament, um, and we will still and then and the players that get here, we'll build a reputation uh, that they really enjoy it. And mm. frankly, you know, I, I still keep in touch with a lot of the guys who've gone on to to do great things, uh, and the likes of Cam Smith and uh, and Cameron Davis. Uh, I mean, I speak to them every year, and and at some point they. I'll come back. I mean, I ha- I can I, I guarantee you uh, before I finish this job, Cameron Smith will come back, but he won't come back while there's a competing tournament the same week. But we'll get lucky at some point. At some point, there'll be a week where there's nothing competing that he plays in, and, and we'll get him. So, 
you know, that's all you can do. And, and when that happens, that'll be great. Adam Scott's told me he will definitely come and play. That's all. No, I can't tell you when. Uh, he might be 50 by the time he does, but he's told me he'll do it. So I believe him. <laughs> so that's all you can do, right? right? So you try get him, try get him on the way up, and then at some point you'll get him, get him at you know at, at when maybe maybe past his peak. In Cam Smith's case, he won't be past his peak. When he comes, he'll be still uh, a good player, clearly. But I don't know whether that's you know one year away or five years away. But it needs luck here, and you know the problem is it's a very congested calendar, right? So as you say, there's Live Golf, there's PGA Tour, and, and them all coming together might well help us in a funny old way because you'll then have a bit of more of a synchronised calendar. I'm not saying there won't be there won't be clashing events, but there'll be if you like Premier League and the rest of the rest of the leagues, right? We'll be in the rest of the league. Yeah, that's all we got. That's 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 a reality. But at least if that Premier League is one Premier League instead of at the moment there's two, uh, that doesn't help us. <laughs> it's a congested calendar, no question. Brilliant stuff. Michael, wonderful to chat as always. Thank you for your time. Right, I know you're busy in the countdown to the 103rd edition of the New Zealand Open presented by Sky Sport. Hope it goes great, Guns. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Good to talk. See you, mate.